Good morning, everybody. It is such a privilege and a joy to share with you on Easter Sunday. Do you know what I want to say? At the end of that, I heard Max say, what does that say? And sometimes we don't take in what something really says and really means. And it said that he is risen. And in some traditions in the Christian church, the person up the front says, he is risen. And everybody else says, do you know? He's risen indeed. That was such a good practice. Let's do it properly. He is risen. Isn't that just amazing? We are going to join with millions of people around the world this morning and talk to that same Jesus who is risen and alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. So will you join with me? And even kids, do you know what? Jesus loves to hear your voices and your hearts when you talk to him and when you pray to him. So let's pray together. Let's close our eyes. Lord, today we join millions of people across the world in gathering together at Easter. We celebrate the gift of new life through your death and resurrection. Jesus, thank you for entering our humanity and dying our death. Thank you for suffering for our sake to make a way, the only way for us to be in right relationship with you. Thank you that every prophecy spoken about you was fulfilled. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to love others and how to forgive others. Lord, this Easter, I pray that you would open our eyes to the freedom and fullness of life that your death and resurrection won for us. Lord, forgive us for so easily forgetting what you've done for us. Forgive us for ignoring your sweet voice in our hearts to reach out to someone, to apologise or to stand firm for truth. Forgive us for pursuing things of this earth that have no lasting value and that, like chaff, are here today but will be gone tomorrow. Lord, forgive us for focusing so much on the daily grind that our minds and our hearts aren't lifted to you and your ways. Forgive us for relying on our own wisdom and logic when you are asking us to trust you and follow your leading. Lord, soften our heart. Help us to tune our ears and our spirit to your wavelength. Give us eyes to see the world as you do and faith to roll up our sleeves and live our lives in accordance with your will. Lord, you've planted each one of us in a different family, school, workplace, circle of friends and neighbourhood. Thank you that you know our circumstances. Help us to start each day by listening to you and asking you to be real in our lives and evident in our relationships. I pray that this Easter we would be so filled with the truth of what you've done for us that others would be drawn to you, Jesus, and want to know you more. Help us as we leave here today to shine your light in the world. Help us to live resurrection lives. And we pray all of these things, Lord Jesus, in your mighty, wonderful, majestic and victorious name. Amen. I'm going to read from... 
John chapter 20, the Gospel of John chapter 20, which is the resurrection story. And as I read, um, invite you to think about each character that is in the story and put yourself in that character's shoes and think, how would I feel if I was right there? Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter, the other disciple, disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. When Simon Peter arrived and went inside, he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who'd reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognise him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I wonder how you would have felt if you were Thomas or Mary or Peter or John. 
I wonder if you would have been excited that death had been defeated. We're going to sing a song about that now. We're going to get upbeat again. Stretch your legs, clap your hands, stand your feet. Fantastic, wonderful singing. Isn't it great to sing and celebrate the fact that today we celebrate Jesus is alive. He is no longer dead, but he is risen. We worship a God that is not dead. He's not a a piece of wood, a statue or an idea, but God is alive in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And I just love the story from, from John that that Kathy read when the disciples were all in the room and they're all huddled and afraid and all wondering what's going on, Jesus appears and he says, peace. And in one of the other Gospels, he actually eats something, proving and showing to them that he's not just some ghost or some pretend idea, that he's actually risen and he in the flesh is alive and real. He is alive. Wonderful, wonderful news. And it is news for everyone. It is wonderful news for everyone. But just as Kathy said, I wonder what it was like. I wonder what it was like for those first disciples when they first heard the news or they got the text message like that video showed. Wonder what they were thinking. What's going on? These disciples gave up their life to follow Jesus. Uh, the word says that many of them like left their workplaces, their nets, if they are fishermen or tax collectors, and they they spent three years following this Jesus, their teacher and their friend. And Jesus did amazing, wonderful miracles. He he uh, gave sight to the blind. He healed the lame. He even raised people from the dead. He seemed like this is the real deal. This is some guy worth worth following. And then they find out that Jesus is led to a cross and he gives up his life and he died and he's there buried in the tomb. I wonder what they're thinking. What's going on? And then the news is first announced. And I love that Jesus first appeared to women. If I was making up a story and I was in the ancient world... I would not have written a story where Jesus first appears to women and women give the testimony that Jesus is alive because in in those days a woman's testimony wasn't worth anything. And that proves that this story is real because it was as it happened, that Jesus appears to the women and and they run back to tell the disciples and Peter and John Wondering what is going on, they run to the tomb. 
and they see that the stone is rolled away and they look in and they see the, the, the bed linen, his, his grave clothes there. And one of the gospel accounts says that the, the angels say to him, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are we coming looking for Jesus in the place of, of, of death in the tomb when he is alive? And then the angels say, he is alive just as he said. You see, one of the most amazing things I think about when I look at the and think about the disciples and, and their experience of the resurrection story is that Jesus time and time again told them that he was going to die and that he was going to be buried and he's going to be raised to life. Many times he told his disciples that and yet it was still a surprise. It was still uh, what is happening. It was still a, can this really be real? Even though Jesus, time and time again, told his disciples. And, you know, sometimes I think in us, in our lives, we're a bit like that. Sometimes we hear the story of Easter. We might have grown up in the church. We might have heard it as we were little kids. And we hear the story about how Jesus died on a cross. He took our sin and he was buried and he, he was raised to life. We hear the words. We hear the story. But yet there comes a time when we are surprised. We are surprised by the reality of what that actually means for our lives. That Jesus raised, was raised from the dead. That his death is not the end. And that we too are buried with him in his death. And we too are raised to new life. The resurrection is about new life in him, that he is alive. And yet, I'm so encouraged by the fact that the disciples doubted. Are you, are you encouraged by the fact that the disciples that lived with Jesus for so many years were with him and heard his words, yet they had their doubts? I'm encouraged by that because it is a bit of a, wow, can that really be real? Did this really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is he really alive? And I love it when Thomas is there and he's got his doubts and, and Jesus comes to him. And Jesus, Jesus comes to each and every one of us when we've got our doubts. And he comes to us and he says, look, I am alive. I am real. Don't, don't fear or doubt anymore. And it's the same with us. Some of you today might have heard the story many, many times. Some of you might be hearing it maybe for the first time today. And you might be perplexed like Peter. You might be doubtful. Well, you are not alone. Jesus is alive. One of the... Um, most convincing proofs, I think, of the fact that Jesus is alive is that we are here today. And you might be thinking, how is that proof? How, did, how is we being here today proof that Jesus is alive? If Friday, when Jesus died and was put into the tomb, if that's the end of the story, if that's where the story ends, then that's where it would have ended. <laughs> 
it would have been a little blimp in history and and that's where you know the disciples would have gone off and gone back to their their world and that be it the fact that jesus rose from the dead was the thing that the disciples ran after and that was their message and when they were persecuted for their faith you know what if it was a lie if they made it up they would have just said okay it's it's you know I'll keep keep me safe don't don't put me to death it's it's just a lie i, I made it up but they were willing to go and lay down their life for this truth that jesus rose from the dead that was their message they didn't have scripture they didn't have theology they didn't have great ideas they just had the message and the reality that jesus was alive and rose from the dead today we're going to witness some baptisms and these people were just like the first disciples who are going to give a testimony to who jesus is and what he means to them and it's all about having a new life and we've been speaking and singing about that this morning who here likes new things i see lots of kids put up their hands that's very true i think i think most of us if we're all honest love new things in fact there is a phenomenon on youtube or the internet and it's something that's called unboxing this is where people get something that is brand new onto the market it's never been out before maybe they've lined up for days and days and days to get it and they they make a video of unboxing this new thing whether it be the the new iPhone or whatever and so i just did a did a search for unboxing on youtube and so there we go we've got some airpods we've got some LG wing thing don't even know what that is and look at how many people watch this stuff 8.9 million people have watched this guy unbox a phone i then i then did a refined search and i found out the one that's been watched the most in unboxing and it's a little kid unboxing a lightning mcqueen toy 216 million people have watched this kid unbox a lightning mcqueen toy there is this fascination with new things that we have isn't it what is it about new things that we go after what is it is it just that we're born into a consumeristic society and that's what we have i think there's a bit of truth in that but as i was thinking about this I wonder if it's because deep inside every one of us there is a longing and a hungering for perfection. We are longing for things to be perfect, to be right, to work, to be flashy and new. Deep down in each and every one of our hearts, I think there's a a harking back and a longing for the way that you and I were actually created to be in the beginning. and we talked about that on friday that in the garden it was perfect and there was a perfect intimacy with with god and with each other and it was new and it was perfect and there's a longing for that i think we just long for things to work joe and i were driving our car the other day 
with six kids in it and we're going down a hill and you put the brakes on and everything shakes. And she turned to me and said, didn't we get our brakes fixed at the last service? And I said, yes, we did. <laughs> we, we paid money at our last service for the brakes to get fixed and already they need fixing again. Wouldn't it be nice to have a new car? <laughs> again, there's that desire. Why would it be nice to have a new car? Because when you put your foot on the brakes, the car doesn't shake. In the back, there's not crumbs of all the kids' food that's in every nook and cranny. All the parents are saying amen to that. Wouldn't it be a mad, magical thing to have a new car? I don't think we're going to be in a position to have that. Sorry, Joe. But it's the same with our lives. We long for things to work. We long for things to be so, so. We long for things to be going back to the original design because in reality, if we look at our lives, they're a bit like that car. They squeak. They're a bit rusty. They rattle. They groan. They're scratched. They break down. And they don't live up to the perfection that we long for. You and I long for perfection in our lives, but in reality... Our lives don't look like that. I was um, on, you, on uh, Facebook the other day and someone posted this wonderful thing that just made me laugh. And it's a great illustration of what I'm talking about. We have this desire for perfection, this desire for our lives to be so-so. And some people have taken uh, pictures of a birthday cake or cooking that they are aspiring to and wanting to copy and what it wants to be looked like. And then they've posted their, their attempt at, at what it is. And so there's this longing for perfection, this longing for something to look beautiful and wonderful. And then in reality, <laughs> their effort just doesn't live up to what they were hoping for. And there's a nice little, nice little Groot. Oh, Groot. And that's just how it came out. Oh, dear. <laughs> there's an expectation of making a hedgehog cake that just, you know, just look at the craftsmanship and the beauty that's gone into the making of this. And then that's just how it turned out. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Oh, I could go on and on, and I will. There's some more. Um, what an amazing cake. Someone's got amazing skill there, and um, someone's made an effort. And what could go wrong with Thomas the Tank Engine? I mean, it's every child's favourite character if you love trains. What on earth is that? <laughs> now... <laughs> This next one is my favourite. Oh, Olaf. Isn't he? Oh, the skill in that, just the perfection. Someone's just done an amazing job at making that cake. And, and we long to replicate that perfection and beauty and majesty. And then just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> oh, you see, we long for the original design. 
in our lives. A bit like those cakes. We look at the pictures of what it could be, the perfection and the beauty, but then when we look in reality at what our lives are like, oh, sometimes they don't look up to it. And on Friday we talked about how in the beginning things were perfect and what the resurrection does is it brings the reality and the truth of that perfection and the way he's made us and he fast forwards it and it brings us into the future and into the now that death has come to life, that we have a new life in him, that death is not the end but we have a new life. In uh, as 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 some people are going to get baptized today, one of the the, the best uh, scripture verses on on baptism, I think, is in Romans, where Paul says, "Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death." in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. A new life. We all long for new things. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. It says that we may too have a new life. And later on in Corinthians it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone, not just those getting baptised today, not those who just stand up here, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus and what he has done on the cross and and the, the saving power that he has through the resurrection is a new person. That longing for new things can be ours. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. For any of you who have done the Alpha course, uh, Nikki Gumbel does this wonderful illustration that I just want to do uh, quickly now. As we look, look back at that, um, that verse in Romans where it says that we're baptised into his death and, and we're raised to him in new life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, many of you love my artistry and once again it's on display. Here is the new believer. Here is the person that has put their faith in Christ and it's not because of their own works, it's not because of what they've done, it's not what they've achieved, but they're receiving the gift that is what Jesus offers. Jesus has made a way. He died the death. He rose victorious over it. You and I, that happened before you and I were even born and could even do anything. Oh, that happened last week. And so... When we claim what Jesus has done for us, when we say, Jesus, I want to thank you that your death was my death, your resurrection was my resurrection, what we do is we are, what the Bible says, united with Christ. We are in Christ. So the new believer, pretend this Bible is Jesus. It's a living word. Jesus is a living word. That the believer that puts their faith in Jesus is in Christ. And as Christ was buried, so too the believer is buried, that their old life is gone, it's done away with, that, that they are no more. 
And just as Christ Jesus broke the power of sin and death and was raised to life, so those who put their trust in him are raised to a new life and a new life in him. And that's really what baptism symbolises. Today we're going to be baptising people and as they go under the water, it's symbolising the fact that they have been died to self. And as they come up out of the water, they have a new life and a new life in Christ. We often talk about baptism being what we call an outward sign of an inward reality. So for the believer, the inward reality is that Jesus has done this for me and it's real. And because of that, I'm going to express that outwardly by being baptised and joining myself with his death and his resurrection. And so we've got some people being baptised today and we want to, for them to come and share why it is that they're coming, their testimony of what brought them here today. So I'm going to invite Cody up first to come and to give his testimony. This is Cody, everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm the opposite of a public speaker, so bear with me. Um, I grew up... Uh, Believing in God, I went to church at a young age for a few years and then didn't go to church. I sort of believed in God, didn't know what, why Jesus died, the significance of that. And then later on, I, um, I got a, a job at the McGarry Orchard, was talking to a lot of Christians there and they were sort of telling me all about Jesus and why he actually died. And Later on, um, someone gave me a sermon to listen to, which was talking about if you don't know you're saved, you need to know. And that's the difference between Christianity and other religions is we know we're going to heaven, we're not working our way to heaven. And so I prayed then, to God to uh, tell me if I was saved or not. And then I just worked a bit later than usual and I was walking up this path at the orchard and I felt like Jesus was next to me saying, I'll always be with you. And then I walked up further, had a look at this amazing sunset and there was a white person next to me, which someone at the orchard told me it's probably the angel of the Lord and then as I clocked off for work I'd done 8.11 hours and something in my head just said look that up in the Bible so the next day I looked up uh, I didn't have a Bible at that point so I just googled Bible 8.11 and I came to Romans 8.11 which says And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And since then, my life's changed, and this is where I am. (laughs) 
And uh, we've been advertising the fact that we're going to be uh, baptising Cody today. I got a phone call yesterday from Monica, who also said, hey, look, I've been thinking about this for a while, and when Wayne last week said, don't wait any longer, you can be baptised, it really spoke to her. And so Monica wants to get baptised too, so Monica's going to come and, and share her testimony. Hello. feels really silly being up here because when, um, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, let's call it, say, 30 years. Um, so I grew up in the church hearing all the, you know, Bible stories and um, going to church each week and was sprinkle baptised as a baby. Uh, but in my teen years, um, had that moment where God became real. Um, I had my doubts like Thomas through my high school years. You know, who is, are all the stories that I've been hearing real? Is God actually real? And there was, yeah, that turning point that um, God became real and personal in my teen years. Um, but because I'd been sprinkle baptised, the whole thing of baptism was confusing. I um, was confused about uh, whether I needed to get baptised. I was annoyed at the different um, denominations and what they said about this and that and, and frustrated. So I sort of went from confused to frustrated to annoyed to angry. And sort of 10 years passed, 20 years passed. It's like, well, I've been a Christian all this time. What is the point? Um, why? It just seems silly. And then it's embarrassing. Like, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Why should I get baptised now? So I've wrestled with it this whole time. Um, every time baptism comes up in other sort of, you know, times, like, why am I, you know, what's the point? Why is it happening? But anyway, yeah, a week ago, the wrestling started again big time. And just in this past week, uh, I have wrestled with baptism and I've felt God wrestling with me and just had a real sense of him pointing to me and saying, it's time, just go get baptised. Stop worrying about all the things you've been worrying about, about baptism. Just do it, really. So um, there's been a number of things that have happened during this week, um, one of which was uh, me teaching about, in the passage about um, Jacob wrestling with God. So this idea of wrestling really came out, but Jacob was wrestling for God's blessing and there was something about that and a few other things that have um, caused me to realise that baptism is a gift for me. It doesn't impact my salvation. I've been saved all this time. It doesn't change that. Um, but it's a gift of God to be baptised and so I'm accepting that gift from him today, um, the gift of baptism, as representation of the gift I received and I accepted 30 years ago or something. So... That's all right. Thanks, And then we were sharing with our kids about the meaning of baptism on the way down to the beach, and my wife turns to me and she says, should I get baptised? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, I'm going to hand over to you. Might be a bit of a shock. She's not baptised. I am. I was baptised as a child. I have to do the notes thing. Cody, you did so well with that notes. My brains. 
So many of you may know that before Sam and I came to Hills, we've actually been part of many different church denominations, which means different groups and traditions and backgrounds of church faith. And my dad was an Anglican vicar. And when we moved from England to Australia, we joined Uniting Church and we were part of that for about 23 years. But Sam's first ministry position was in a Baptist church. So we've been a little bit around the place. And during um, Sam's ministry degree, we moved back to Uniting Church home and then joined Hills. So it's pretty fair to say that for both of us, our thinking about lots of theological issues, including baptism, has actually been influenced by lots of traditions and many views. And I was baptised as a baby, and so were four of our six children. Through the course of Sam's training in the CRC, he and I had many discussions about infant baptism and believer baptism. And I actually think that's a really great, important thing that you wrestle and work through and process, a bit like what Mon was saying. And there's an openness where God wants us to be real in our faith and he wants to help us process. Sometimes it's mental hurdles, sometimes it's our own worldview, sometimes it's our own opinions about things. That's okay to work through those things and wrestle through those things with him. And in recent times, I know that the Lord's been prompting me to be baptised. Many on the leadership team will know that that's been a part of my process the last few years. And that for that to be done as an adult. And that's not, as Mon was saying, to fulfil or correct my childhood baptism, but purely in obedience to Scripture and as a public declaration of my faith. It's also been through lots of ongoing conversations with our children that I felt most challenged. And I look forward to the day when each of our children, God willing, chooses to accept what Jesus has done for them and to rejoice in their baptism, which is an outward sign of that inward reality. And why would I long for something for them that I don't think has significance for me? So I stand before you today as a sinner, saved by grace, forgiven and justified by the blood of my precious Jesus. His death, once and for all, has given me the hope of eternal life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live each day following the path he's laid out for me. What a wonderful victory, celebrated on Easter Sunday, but made real each day. We were going to sing another song. Um, but I think we'll just leave that for now. We're going to sing a song that spoke about how Jesus is alive in us. You know, we, I said at the very beginning, we don't worship a, a dead God or a statue, but he's real and is alive and he comes to live inside of us. And for the believer to be transformed by that power of the risen Jesus in us. But I just want to end with going back to the, the scripture reading that, that Kathy read of the account of Jesus and his appearance to Mary. On Friday and at the start of the service, the video said, from graves into gardens. And on Friday we talked about how when, when God first created humanity, it was beautiful and it was perfect and it was a garden. He placed us in a garden. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but Jesus was buried in a garden. And there's a symbolism there of, of where it was perfect and real and, and what we long for, the perfect cake. 
and things went bad. But Jesus, through his resurrection in the garden, again, that, that picture of the garden, and Willie has so beautifully decorated the cross in, in flowers, and we've got flowers up here representing garden and new life today. A garden is a place where a dead seed is planted in the ground and it brings forth new life. And it's in that garden that Jesus died and he brings forth new life. And that new life that we speak of isn't just for those first disciples. It isn't just for those getting baptised today. It's for every single person who longs to follow and put their faith in Jesus. And that invitation is open to everyone. There is no condition, there is no get your your eggs in a row first. Jesus died for you and he rose to give you new life. And Mary, in that garden, rightly so, thinks that Jesus is the gardener. And in a way, she's actually correct. Because Jesus is the one who comes in our lives and he takes what is dead and is rotten and rusted and shaking when you put your brakes on it and he transforms it into a new life. And Mary thinks that Jesus is the gardener and I love this moment where she's confused, just as many of us may be confused. Then Jesus mentions Mary's name. And it's at that point that her eyes are opened because Jesus called her by name. And I want to say that Jesus is calling each and every one of you by name. And he is offering himself and what he has done on the cross and being raised from life for you. So what I want us to do now is something maybe a bit different. Can we close our eyes and bow our heads? Kids, that involves you too. And I want you to picture a garden with all of your favourite beautiful plants and flowers in it. It's a gorgeous garden. And you're in that garden. Now I want you to picture Jesus there standing with you, a bit like Cody, who was in the orchard and Jesus was alongside him. Picture that. Picture that Jesus is there with you. Now I want you to picture Jesus calling your name. Jesus is calling your name and is offering his salvation and new life to you. Now, while everyone's eyes are closed and they're picturing that, if you today want to accept what Jesus has done for you, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone who's feeling that when Jesus calls you by name, that he's, he's calling you. That today is the day. Thanks. See that hand? Thank you. Anyone else? Who wants to accept the invitation of Jesus and to have a new life? Fantastic. I'm just going to pray for those people who have raised their hand. So will you just continue to 
have your heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death and resurrection. We thank you that today we celebrate the fact that you defeated death and that you rose to glorious life. And because of that, those who put their faith in you, just like this picture of a a stick figure in a Bible, we are united with you and what you did becomes ours, that your death and resurrection becomes our reality. And so, Lord, for those who raise their hands today, I just pray pray that right now that your presence would be so evident and real, that they would be able to confess in their hearts faith in you, Jesus, and that they would know that their sins are forgiven, that they would know that there is nothing that could ever now separate them from your love and from the life that you long to give and offer so freely. And so, Jesus, we ask that you be with them right now, that you would let them know, just like Cody said, of their salvation, that they would know without uh, fear or doubt that they are saved and that what you have done for them is theirs. In Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. I'm just going to read to you one last verse from... From 1 Peter, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to him. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. It's a living hope, it's not a dead hope. How? He did it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how he did it. And into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, fade, rust, rattle, squeak, go wrong. It's a wonderful, wonderful life. And for those who prayed that prayer, uh, this is your verse and this is what you can take and know and hold true to you, that because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, you have been brought into an inheritance that will not fade and will not pass away. Amen. Well, what we're going to do right now is something super exciting. We're going to get up on our feet and every single one of us are going to go out this corridor and out through a little mini kitchen. Maybe someone who knows where we're going can, can help people go through the way. And as a whole church family, we're going to gather around the pool that is on the, the grass out the back and we're going to finish our service of worship out there. So will you join with us, grab what you need to do to, to, to come out the front and I'll be with you in a minute as I've just got to get changed quick.